global energy system is undergoing a huge transition, with the costs of renewable energy becoming more competitive versus traditional sources, along with increased public awareness and pressure. Renewable energy is becoming the mainstream energy source for many, no longer an alternative just for the progressive few. Listen each week as Brant Handley and Christian Crown, founding partners of Renew Executive Search, interview renewable energy and sustainability experts that are not only making a difference to the environment, but are also growing successful businesses. Listen and learn about what attracted these experts to renewables, why they've stayed in the sector, and how they are helping renewable companies create a better tomorrow. We know you'll enjoy these stories as much as Brandt and Christian enjoyed recording them. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are looking forward to you joining us as we dive deeper on how renewables are going mainstream. Welcome to Renewables Going Mainstream. Today's guest is Michael Smith. Michael Smith is the Managing Director of MNC Hybrid Energy, one of Ireland's leading green renewable energy solution providers. Built on a noble purpose of supporting and educating Irish homeowners and businesses to become more energy efficient and understand the benefits of doing so as renewable and green energy becomes increasingly relevant. Welcome to today's podcast. Can you start up by telling us a bit about yourself, Michael? Uh, yeah, I'm Michael Smith, uh, the, the Managing Director here of MNC Hybrid Energy. Um, we're, we're based in uh, on the on the border counties here in Ireland. Um, our company is up and running about twelve years um, in the renewable sector. Um, um, in two thousand and five, I rem- I came back from America. I was there for eight years, um, and I, I briefly studied some renewables out there before I came home. You're really at the head of the curve, then. Yeah, well, it was the kind of the buzzword. Uh, so there was a out there they were talking bits about it, and I, I had done a bit of research as to what I was coming home to because we had a Celtic tiger in Ireland at the time, and uh, everyone was that busy building and getting money for nothing and just doing whatever they wanted with it. So we, I looked into when I came back, I started doing one-off houses, and then we just diversified into the renewable sector, and it's a lot of hard work and commitment we put in ourselves and um, going to different parts of I went to Europe. I was in Austria and um, got a bit of training over there. We worked in the UK. Um, and from there, we just, you know, we, we kept going through the recession and just kept it simple. We didn't take on a big load of staff and we we're trying to, trying to educate ourselves and basically train and teach ourselves on diversifying and that's where we came up with the name hybrid energy. It's where we kind of bring two or three different products together and make them work quite efficiently, you know. Yeah, I find that really interesting because you don't just do solar. Uh, you really do solar. You do thermal and energy efficiency as well, right? Yeah, well, um, one of the courses I would have done um, when I was started off this first was in Ireland here we have uh, building energy assessors. Uh, they do building energy certificates for houses. So. One of the first courses I would have done was a building energy BER course in 2006, which was expensive for a one-man band to do at the time. And but that that gave me the mindset of of the whole energy of how performances work, how buildings work, how your envelope of a building works, um, and then how to 
put heat into these buildings and how to retain the heat in these buildings and make these buildings become more energy efficient. So when we got that done, with the knowledge that we had, we decided then, myself and Carmel here, we decided then that we'd construct our own home. Um, now, the the home that we built here, which is 12 years old now at the moment, um, we built it out of um, um, we built it out of uh, uh, compounds called ICF, which is um, insulated concrete form. Now, I was at a rally in Canada in 2002, and I seen this building being built in the middle of a forest. It just looked like a white building. I didn't know what it was. So curiosity got the better of me, and I went over to see what it was, and it was uh, this uh, Integra Spec was the name of the product. And when we went to build our home here, uh, we looked at blocks, we looked at timber frame, and um, next thing we were at a, a we were at a home exhibition show, and I met up with this man by the name of Mike Fahan, and he was doing ICF, and the actual ICF he was doing was Integraspec, the asbestos, the, the the insulation that I seen in Canada. Ah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, we jumped at that, and we built our own ICF home, air tightness, heat recovery a weather compensation heating system that works on biomass. We have a solar thermal system that heats into a large buffer tank that we have. And we also have a six kilowatt wind turbine where that does uh, supplement the power in the house. And then any excess we have during the winter months, it's diverted into our buffer tank, which is the battery for our heating and hot water within our home. Fantastic. So you're really showcasing all the technologies you work with in your, right in your own home. Yeah, well, you see, you know, you go to somebody and they're looking to buy a product of you or looking for your expertise in a product. The first thing they're going to ask you, do you have it yourself? Well, we say, yeah, we have. If you want to come and see it, you can come to our, you can come and see what we have. And this is what we've done a long time ago. And we're helping people now, homeowners, people building new houses. We're helping them to, to try and achieve that with their own home and trying to keep it cost effective. So. I, on, a, on, a, on a new build for someone who's building a new home or a scheme of houses or apartments or whatever, we look and we provide the full package. And the full package is the heating system, the underfloor heating, the full plumbing, the ventilation system, if they need a stove or pellet stove or something like that. And when the project is finished, if the homeowner has an issue or a problem with the energy in his house, he has only one phone call to make to one person. So nobody can start passing it around. If you bring in three or four different trades to do it, they can very easily pass it from one to the other. But if you bring in one trade to do all, well, you've only one phone call to make. Hmm. So do you work mostly with individual homeowners or businesses as well? Or The way I put it across to people, I can we would do energy audits on anything from a chicken house to a milk factory. Fantastic. And everything in between? And everything in between, because at the end of the day, it's a building four walls a roof and you just look at it for what it is you try and look at mainly some of the buildings we go to uh, you look at the infrastructure look at what they have there already some people are looking to add on to what they have but if they could step back like we'd say there was one case there a, a pig farmer he wanted to put up 11 kilowatts of, or sorry 50 kilowatts of pv on a building and um, so we sat down and we said right okay we can do 50 kilowatt of PV. It's going to cost you, we'll just throw figures out. We'll say it's going to cost you 50,000 to put up 50 kilowatt of PV. Or 
uh, sorry, and that 50 kilowatt of PV will offset roughly about 42 to 44,000 units of power every year. Or we look at the infrastructure. So we looked at the infrastructure of his lighting and we, were, we, we came back to him and said, right, we can replace all 400 lights that you have on 16 hours a day. It'll cost you 30,000 to do that, but you will save 80,000 units of power every year. So it wasn't very hard for him to figure out where he was going to spend his money first. It's an easy sell when you make it that to that point. Well, that's how you, that's, you know, when you break it down into layman's terms, that's, at the end of the day, that's what people appreciate and that's how they understand it. Yeah, you've been in the business for, for more than 10 years. Was it 12 years ago you founded the company? How have you seen people people's perception change over the years to this? Yeah, we'll say some of the... Would say as I say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So you know, the newer people, more of a drive, looking towards greener. Um, we work with um, at the moment we're working with, uh, or we've done a couple of workshops for. It's called Beltorbet Zero Waste, which is a town here beside us, and they're trying to make the whole town zero waste by bringing in, um, bringing in taps putting in like water pints in the town so people can fill water into plastic bottles without having to buy plastic bottles and throw them around the place bins oh, yeah. they're looking at doing retrofitting buildings um, and we're there doing talks with different businesses there's 70 businesses in the town and they're looking at we're planning now it's over a five-year plan so what we're doing at the minute is educating them and we have a couple of projects that's done within the town that none of the people on the committee actually knew about so we brought a few of the members down and got them to explain what we done for them and what they got out of it, which really helps because the people in the town didn't know that this was there. And uh, now they're talking to a person that has this work done five years, six years. They're talking to a couple of different people in the town that has it done. So, you know, that that's that, that that's how we we kind of bring ourselves across by, as I say, you're only as good as your last job. And that's the way it is. That's the way it is. It always is. What are some of the common obstacles you encounter when you meet uh, working on your project? We'd say on the micro generation and the things or on generation, you're generating your own power and all that kind of things. The, the, the biggest obstacle here we come across is that um, the local the local company here, the ESB, they, they don't pay you. They don't give you anything for power. Um, you export power to them. They'll take it, sell it to your neighbor next door, charge him for it and give you nothing for it. You know, so there's a metering oh, wow. system that has to be put in in place. They're talking about having it in place and hopefully up and running by 2021. But with the with, with stuff that happened over the last number of weeks with the pandemic, I don't think it could be kicked down the road for another couple of years. So that's one of the issues. Um, we had an issue there. UK and the North, they brought in tariffs for people to buy or people to export power to the grid and pay them for it. People to produce and use their own power and pay them for it people to produce and use their own heat from biomass and pay them for it. But we never got anything in, in, in Southern Ireland. So you always had that to deal with all the people in the, you know, the, 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 the agricultural farmers in the north, they're getting paid. So their cost of production is less and they can, you know, it's, it's easier for them to sell, which, which leaves things very hard for, say, the Irish farmers to do the same thing because they're not getting them subsidies. So yeah, you actually have to compete without subsidies uh, with these technologies in in most circumstances. But I guess there's some tax relief for it, though, right? On at least commercially. 
they've, they've introduced a subsidy there for biomass um, in the last 12 months. It's called the SSRH, which um, basically for a commercial business to build a biomass system, it will offset um, it'll offset roughly about eighty percent of their of their pellet bill for the year. So you know it takes a while for that to pay back. The incentives in the UK and in the north were better, but that got abused as well, and uh, and since has been stopped. Um, yeah, so there's that's one incentive to have. There's other incentives there where they're granting people to put in solar PV. Um, there's grant aids there now for people to put in heat pumps, uh, but there's a lot of regulations and rules, which only stands to reason because um, 12, 14 years ago, <clears throat> there was kind of no regulation on what people were sold or how how it was all put down on paper to make this work in a building. So there was equipment that was put in, maybe undersized, wasn't fit to do its job, um, cold weather came, some some systems there were cold where they came they needed backup systems with them and at the moment what you're dealing with here is that why would i bother putting in any of that stuff when oil is so cheap this is you know what you're listening to how is the whole so are people educated about what the systems can do and and how that works or is that a big part of of the challenge as well well my main thing is is when i go to anybody is to try and help them and educate them on what the what they're doing what they're getting, you know, how it works, the purpose of why they're doing it. You know, a lot of people, they just, they, they've used to live at home, a new couples have used to live at home with the mummy and daddy and they had an aisle by a day or whatever. So now they're building these new houses and they don't understand these systems and why they have to put them in and why, what way they work. So we're there to help them, to educate them um, and basically go through, walk through, I done it yesterday evening, I went to a, a couple who was building a new home and just walk through it because they didn't understand anything of what they're doing. So we walked through it and they took notes on the type of heating system they were going to be putting in and the type of ventilation system they were going to be putting in and the rating that they were going to get on their house. And the main thing is that when a, a couple or a building contractor or housing development or whatever, when they go to start um, to build, but when they start to get their drawings or whatever for this building, the main thing is, is that if they can, a lot of people kind of, they come to us and we help them to get the paperwork started right. So that when the whole job, as it goes through, everything is done by the book. And when you're finished at the end, you have everything that you need to get the whole thing signed off. What's happening in a lot of cases is they're not starting right. They get to the end. There's stuff that's missed, stuff that's not done, um, and then they go to look for payments of the bank to get a final payment or to get the building signed off. It can't be signed off because you didn't do this, so you didn't do that. And that's all really to do with the, the Part L building regulations on the renewable contribution end of it. And that's that's where we kind of come in and, and help people, advise them, point them in the direction, offer them a product if they want it, or offer them the full package for their home um, and that's 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 what, we'll, what we do fantastic can you provide us with a case study or two sort of where we can really sort of see how you made an impact for and a difference for your clients yeah well we've done um one of the case studies uh i believe a copy was sent over to you there you can read through it um one of the case studies it's one that i've i've, I've as being a member of a group of 
an organisation called B&I. And um, I, I could never get up and talk in front of people. But now, since I've joined this group, uh, the B&I has done a lot of things for me and gave me a lot of self-confidence. So on the testimonial end of things, we done we went into a mushroom farmer about, I think it was in 2008 or 2009. And, you know, fuel at the time was absolutely, he was born in, I think, was it 42,000 euros worth of fuel of oil in the year, right? So we went in and we we talked to him um, and we walked it through uh, the mushroom industry. We walked it through with, a with CMP and they got funded from Brussels, which they do every year. They get funding and um, that funding does help them to upgrade the farm or make changes to the farm and all that. So what we done in his situation was we, we put in a biomass system, uh, a wood pellet system and buffer tanks. Um, we put it in in such a way and we left the existing oil system that was there. So this was in 2008. Now, 2009 and 2010, we had weather here of minus 16, minus 17, even up, I think, as far as minus 20 degrees for weeks and weeks on end. And luckily enough, the oil system that we he had there, we left it there. So when the temperatures dropped that low, it it it, it the oil was working along with the pellet because like there was nothing out there that could keep these tunnels heated because basically what they were doing is they were putting in heat um, but CO2 gases had built up on the tunnel so when they were putting in the heat the CO2 was building up they had to get the CO2 out so they were just blowing the heat straight through the building to get the CO2 out but trying to keep the building heated at the same time so you were like trying to heat it trying to heat it basically an open shed at both ends so we put in the biomass system and that basically halved his bill, his, his, his heating bills came down to, I think, from 42,000 down to about 24, 25,000 a year. Oh, that's a real impact for a small business, right? Yeah. And then, then we looked and we came up with an idea and we got a patent. And it was a, it was a company in Sweden we were dealing with at the time. And they made up um, units for us to, that would recover, take out the CO2, recover the heat, dump the CO2 outside and put the heat back in. Oh, that's interesting. They worked. They were. They worked very well. And um, the, the units were sized for the tunnels that was there. And then in years to come, then the, 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 the farmer himself he he upgraded the size of the tunnels, and uh, the units then were big enough to do the job that that he wanted to do with them. But since that, we've changed the the way that they did. They walk it inside. Um, that was what we started in two thousand and nine. I think about 2011 then or 12, we installed um, 50 kilowatt of PV and that helped to offset about 44 to 45,000 units of power off his site every year. Um, it worked very well for him in the, the longer summer months because, believe it or not, in that industry, they use heating and cooling 365 days of the year. No matter if it's cold or if it's hot, they use it because it's all to do with humidification. So, like, of course, you have to understand. Like, like we go into these, um, into work with these growers, we have to understand the whole concept of what they're doing and how they grow and get it get into your head what they do. So you have to kind of figure out how they, what processes they have to go through to make this work and be able to understand it. Um, 
so that was a PV system that was installed there. It was, it was the biggest PV system in our county here for probably two to three years uh, at the time. Um, and then we done some rainwater harvesting. We also put in, when he upgraded his tunnels, we upgraded the boiler systems, uh, rainwater harvesting, and then he, put, he, he got a new cooling system put in. So like overall, we I think we brought his overall price per pound of mushrooms down by about a third on energy costs maybe a little bit more but you're a modest guy <laughs> yes well under promise and over deliver it's not the word i'm looking for <laughs> it sure sounds like it. but that's fantastic and i really like how you sort of take a coherent look on it and continue to work with your clients to to find improvements year after year Sort of when you look ahead into the future, what, what are some of the things you you will see changing, and and what do you think needs to happen in order to uh, to make these solutions even more viable or better, more or employed at a greater scale? The way a lot of the stuff is going now, it's more or less renewables are a new a, a, a new buildings that's been built, whether it be commercial or residential. It's been uh, the regulation state that they have to do it. You know. So they have to do something, they have to put in 30% of their bill has to be of some kind of renewable contribution. Um, so it's just the younger generation, like I've done a couple of talks in, in schools, in secondary schools and national schools in front of the children. And like they all see it, they all know it. It's, it's, it's on the television every day. The older, the, gener- the older generation just thinks, ah, well, I'm not going to be here for that much longer. And, my what I'll do will not make any help, but it's it's not to it's not that you're going to help. It's just to help everyone out there to make the change. It's you know like it's to it's to change over like what happened in from let's say the beginning of the seventies here in Ireland. From like when I started plumbing first, it was back boilers that went in and solid fuel, and then oil started to creep in. So then it was back boilers and oil, and now plumbing systems now. If you go into a house with a back boiler, it's the first thing you take out. It goes in the bin. They put in the new heat pumps. You know, like if we're retrofitting, like the, the SEAI, which is the government body here for funding um, retrofitting houses, retrofitting, doing commercial works, doing community scheme works. And um, they've loads of different grants and funding in there. Um, they, they're, they're really pushing they're pushing and, and, and trying to help everyone and that's what we're here to do as well we're here to we're the men on the ground and we kind of report back to them so if i have an issue or a problem we get straight back on to them and say look you want to try this this is a trial it either works or it doesn't work or change this or do something and you know nine times out of ten they will listen and um that's what it's all about everyone's learning so we just we just we just kind of keep doing what we're doing and and getting the word out there for people to try and make make a change and do their bit. But this sounds fantastic and sounds like we're really moving in the right direction. And I'm glad to hear that the younger generation are also supporting it. Michael, as you know, sort of at Renew Executive Search, we work with clients and candidates globally who are seeking to grow their businesses and career. What kind of qualifications do you think are needed to succeed in the renewable industry? Well, no, there's a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I have. I don't know. I think I have. I don't know how many. I don't know how many qualifications I have. I have. Well, let's. I suppose we start off with right. The first qualification I would have is plumbing background. Qualified plumber. 
And then we done qualifications for solar, done qualifications for biomass, uh, qualifications for the heat pumps, qualifications for PV, qualifications for working on pressurized systems. Um, like to to physically to to physically be able to carry out the works or, or to be able to go into a place open minded. Yeah, you're not going in with one thing in your head. I'm going to sell this by this. It's it's been an open minded approach, um, to go in and look at what you're asked to look at, listen to what the person ideas of what they have, let them talk and say what they have to say, and then you just say right, okay, and then just explain, backtrack a wee bit, explain. Nine times out of ten, a lot of the properties we go into, especially in the domestic end of things, the first thing uh, which we we don't do, but the first thing that I would say to them, you need to do something with your insulation values here before we do anything. You get your insulation values sorted out. There's a company I recommend, and um, work closely with them, Core and Kilnalek, and Breathney Insulation, and um, I recommend these companies to them, and that's where they start. So it's like on a cold day when you go outside. This is how I explain it to somebody. On a cold day, when you go outside, the first thing you do is you put on a coat to keep the heat in. And it's the same with a, with, with an older house. You have to put the coat of insulation on to keep the heat in it. Um, but yeah, well, we have, there's a couple of things. Like we got recognised there um, in 2018. Um, a local enterprise recognised us here for Innovation Business of the Year. Um, then we got picked for we were finalists in the small firms associations, which is um, it's 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 the whole country basically. Um, that was in Dublin that really helped our business. And then um, in twenty nineteen, but this time last year, um, there was there's a company called Business All Star Accreditation, and they they run out of our uh, local our, our main GAA. Uh, football field pitch in Dublin which is called Crow Park and I got um, a business all-star accreditation and it was it, there was a lot of people in for this now you're talking a couple of hundred in for this a thought, I got branded a thought leader in energy conservation they gave me that and gave me a, a lovely big golden all-star medal with it and plaque and all on the wall to go with it so that's something that nobody can ever take from me it's mine and I was the first person in Ireland to get it well, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Sort of lastly here, before we wind off, sort of, do you have any words of advice or counsel that you could give to anyone who's looking to either grow their entrepreneurial career or perhaps get into it for the first time? Well, anyone that's getting into anything for the first time, uh, this is we, we, we strongly believe in this. If you do not, you can, for people, I've seen people come in and go and they get into the renewables, they get into it, they get out of it, uh, they come in, they go, things happen, whatever. But I'm a strong believer. If you do not have the backup service behind you, you can sell whatever products you want, but if the service, the backup service from the manufacturer of that product is not behind you, you're wasting your time. Because if you have a problem or an issue, you need to be able to have a relationship with the manufacturer or the, 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 the main agent for whatever product that you're you're actually proposing to put into somebody's house. If you haven't got that, you know, how can you, how can you, would say, how can you go and say, well, can I send some person or can I send a client to you to explain what I'm after doing in your house if they're not happy with it? You can't. So my advice to anyone is whatever products that they're trying to sell is to build a relationship. Don't be just, you know, hopping from Billy to Jack. Build a relationship with the manufacturer, with the supplier. Once you have that back and 
it boosts your morale. It, it, it gets you, you know, like, that's what that's 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 all the advice I can give to anybody. And the other advice is never oversell because that's just the worst thing you could do. If you tell somebody like there's if you tell somebody that you could put up a PV system and that's going to give you electricity all year round, knowing in your heart and soul that it's not, well then just there's no point in being at it because all you're doing is you're just trying to sell something to make a few pounds. You have to be, you have to be honest. And if you undersize something or under, under, we'll say, set, not undersell it, undervalue what it's going to perform. I've had people, and I've told them, I'd say, right, you put in a system, it's going to do X amount of power for you every year. And twelve or thirteen months later, you might bump into them. Well, how is that thing working? Ah, you told me it was going to do this, but it actually done more than what you said. I said, well, are you happy? I am. That's the main thing. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much, uh, Michael Smith, Managing Director for MNC Hybrid Energy, for sharing your insights today. If you like today's podcast, please share it and uh, give us a, a good rating online wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Renewables Going Mainstream with Brand Hanley and Christian Crown, partners at Renew Executive Search. We hope you enjoyed hearing our renewable industry experts' stories as much as we enjoyed recording them. If you want to learn more about this fast-growing sector and learn how you can become more involved, please subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brand, Christian, Renewable Executive Search and the booming renewables industry, visit www.goforrenew.com. That's www.go4renew.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode of Renewables Going Mainstream.